Welcome to the Alcohol Minimalist Podcast. I'm your host, Molly Watts. If you want to change your drinking habits and create a peaceful relationship with alcohol, you're in the right place. This podcast explores the strategies I use to overcome a lifetime of family alcohol abuse, more than 30 years of anxiety and worry about my own drinking, and what felt like an unbreakable daily drinking habit. Becoming an alcohol minimalist means removing excess alcohol from your life so it doesn't remove you from life. It means being able to take alcohol or leave it without feeling deprived. It means to live peacefully, being able to enjoy a glass of wine without feeling guilty and without needing to finish the bottle. With science on our side, we'll shatter your past patterns and eliminate your excuses. Changing your relationship with alcohol is possible. I'm here to help you do it. Let's start now. Well, hello and welcome or welcome back to the Alcohol Minimalist Podcast with me, your host, Molly Watts, coming to you from a kind of gray, cloudy, looking a little foggy, Oregon this morning. But it's spring. It was beautiful out earlier this week, and it really made me think, oh, spring is on the horizon, and I am just so looking forward to it. Today on the podcast, I am so excited to share a conversation I had with a multi-bestselling author, uh, course creator, and someone who is really an authority and become a, a teacher in terms of personal development. Her name is Karen Salmonson, and I found her, and I'm going to share in the show a little bit about how I found her, but Karen, just to give you from her her bio, it says, for over 25 years, Karen Salmonson has been a multi-bestselling author with 2 million books sold globally, plus she's the founder of a popular personal development website called NotSalmon.com. Karen began her career working in New York top advertising agencies. She went on to quit and become passionate about using her skills as a writer and designer to author books and screenplays. And like I said, goes on and on. And then How to Be Happy, Damn It, which is the book that I read first and really became most familiar with her about, became an instant bestseller and has sold over 350,000 copies. It's been recommended on Oprah and on Psychology Today. And it was even featured in a documentary from Eminem called The Emotional Life. So this book and just her work, she's just led a pretty interesting life. I said it was a very extraordinary life. She told me it's a zigzagging life. And I love her zigs and her zags, and I can't wait for you to hear from her. Here is my conversation with Karen Salmonson. Good morning, Karen. Thank you so much for being here on the Alcohol Minimalist Podcast. I am just thrilled to get to talk to you, and I can't wait to share your work with my audience. So thanks for being here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here. I love everything you're doing. I think it's fabulous. Thank you so much. Well, I told you I wanted to share just a little bit about how I found your work. And I given a brief introduction of you and of all of a lot of stuff that you've been doing over the last 20, 30 years. But when I was actually what I was doing, I was actually I told you, I, I thought I was doing it for my group, but realized after the fact I'd been researching for a friend and looking for 
something to share with her. And I was looking for something, actually a visual, something that I could send to her via text. She lives in Arizona, so she's not here with me. And so I wanted to send her something. She was having a particularly tough, stressful, anxious time. And I was, you know, literally Googling on the internet, looking for something. And I came across uh, a tool of yours, a, a visual for a grounding tool for anxiety. And yeah. I shared it with her, but I saw, of course, because this is by design, the not salmon.com in it. And so that took me down the rabbit hole of leading to your <laughs> website. And then I found your, your, all of your stuff and your books and your e-courses and all of the renowned people that you've worked with. And I was like, how have I not heard about her before this? I feel like I'm living under a rock. That's literally, you know, and I've had that happen before, but this was one of those just like boom moments. And the more I went through everything, the more I felt like, wow, this is just, I'm very aligned with everything that I'm seeing here, bought the book, how to be happy, damn it. And was like, I love this. I love this for so many reasons. I love the message. I love the visuals. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is just, I I'm really fascinated. And so I was like, how can I get her on the podcast? Hmm. <laughs> and so went, started going, figuring all that out. And so now here you are, and I'm just thr so thrilled. So I, like I said, I gave a brief introduction into the intro coming into this, but I would love to hear it from your perspectives. Tell my audience a little bit about Karen Salmonson and not salmon and how you came to be <laughs> what you're doing, because it's a pretty extraordinary journey. Yeah. It, it, Zigzaggers, but I call yeah. it. <laughs> um, well, well, first of all, my name, my, my website is not salmon because my last name is Salman son and everybody mangles it and says salmon son uh -huh. you know I'm always going not salmon not salmon and I figured if I wanted people to find me on the internet and they had they had to rely on spelling salmon which not only has the lawn wrong but has an h thrown in there someplace yeah. <laughs> right my son who's now 11 when he was in kindergarten the teachers were teaching him how to spell his name and they were teaching him to spell his name wrong Oh, perfect. Without the age. <laughs> like <I couldn't> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, so that's how I came to be not salmon, not salmon.com. So, and then how I got to do what I do. Um, well, I always loved uh, drawing and design and writing. Even as a little kid, I was like up in my room in a journal and writing and drawing. So that's always been like a big part of me. And then I went off to college and I studied. I'm really going back far, huh? No, so, I, no, I want you to. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But it, it does all make sense. It's sort of like, oh, okay. Um, and then I went to school and I was um, a film major, philosophy minor. I always loved philosophy too, which does show up in my work. Yeah. And, and then I went into advertising because that seemed to be like a, a way to make money doing something creative. Oh, and I also love psychology too. So I started off in advertising and I was doing very well. I was rising up very quickly. I got like what's called a Clio, like my first yeah. year in the business. <laughs> and 
Being um, of an advertising ilk myself, I am very familiar with Cleo. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes. So um, and then so I was doing well, but I wasn't happy because it was very backstabbing and political. And I used to joke that you couldn't drink a glass of water without it spurting out the knife holes in your back because there were <laughs> so many backstabbers there. And then they're also workaholics. So they would say, um, we had a joke about one of our bosses that if you don't come in on Saturday don't bother coming in on Sunday. <laughs> we had to work weekends, like all weekend, you know? Right. So I thought, you know, I'm doing well. I rose, rose up. I was a senior VP, creative director in my twenties. I thought, you know, I'm doing well. It's something I don't want to do. Maybe I just apply the same like Zen of like whatever I'm doing. And I could become a writer, you know, and I was young enough and um, idealistic enough and also had more room for risk being younger in my 20s. So I told my parents I was going to quit and become a writer. And that to them was like, mom, dad, I'm going to become a Hare Krishna. They were like, (laughs) what? You know, they were not happy about it. So I kept threatening to quit. They kept talking me out of it. And so finally I quit and didn't tell them for a little bit. And, um, and then I told them and everything has worked out, thankfully. So, um, and then I wrote my first book, which was a novel. And then I was writing TV stuff and all of this. And, but I was reading self-help books and I would rip off the cover because I'd be ashamed to reading, to be reading a self-help book. I didn't want to be seen reading them. And then I would also want to recommend them to people. And I felt like I was insulting them. Like, you know, here, you need help book, you know? Right. Right. So the marketing mind in me thought, you know what? There should be self-help for people who wouldn't be caught dead doing self-help or self-help that you can give to a friend as a gift and they're not going to punch you because it looks kind of cool. Right. So, um, I came up with that idea and then I came up with the idea for how to be happy, damn it, which was my first book in that genre or whatever you want to call it. And, um, and I brought in a designer and I creative directed it with them because that was my background as a creative director. And, and then that book came out and it was, became a big bestseller. Like, um, yeah, like, like, yeah, like 350,000 copies later, big bestseller. Yeah. (laughs) And it was, Nowadays, it's so funny because I had damn it in the title. Mm-hmm. And um, nowadays, um, there's so many curse words in titles. Right. That damn it looks tame. Right. But I was like one of the first to put a curse word in a book title. So that's I my. Have to, we have to take a pause here for a second <laughs> because my audience, you're going to hear Karen has just, oh, just become a part of life uh, in the realm of dual pet ownership. And so you might be able to hear her kitten who's back there. I can hear her just a little bit. She's making a little bit of noise. And then the puppy is also down here by Karen's feet, who's who's being pretty quiet, but chewing on something, chewing on a bone. So we've got this cacophony of dual pets coming back behind you, which is, I love is just real life. So there you have it folks. You know, these, when we do real life recordings, whether they be with, you know, best-selling authors, award-winning designers, their lives are going on behind them. So, (laughs) so (laughs) anyway, they're they're new pets. So they're, they're not fully used to the situation right now. Right. So they're just getting used to it all. And like I said, I just love that. So anyway, sorry to, sorry to digress off of the topic at hand, but no, yes, okay. let's talk about, so that's really the way that I first 
you know, really got dove deeper into your stuff was how to be happy, damn it. And uh, what a great, phenomenal book. And I know you, what I love about it and what we've kind of, what I've shared with you is just, you have a way of sharing information, both that's authoritative, there's science in there, which I appreciate because I share a lot of science here on the podcast. So your books, your courses have a lot of, a lot of information and evidentiary based, you know, research and things that people can really uh, apply in their lives. And it's important because it's not just all woo woo, right? Because I think people can get mistaken by looking at a book like how to be happy, damn it, and think, oh, it's all just kind of feel good, you know, prettiness, because it's very visually appealing as well. But what I appreciate about your work is there's there's science there too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I really like science and I really, I love neuroscience, science of all kinds, psychology. I'm kind of like a research geek. Yeah. And I, I think Me too. That, <laughs> That's what yeah, I'm I know, saying. which is why I'm so happy to be here. I feel yeah. like kindred spirits for sure. Yeah. And I think that one of the things I can do is I can read what some people would find like boring or dry or dense stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of write it up with humor. And then mm -hmm. I also say a spoonful of eye candy helps the self-help medicine go down. I put in <laughs> the design and the images and I kind of make it feel fun to read. Like you get tricked into reading something that's good for you. <laughs> well, it's true. And you know what? I just thought about this as you were saying that, but honestly, um, since you started doing all this work, since you started when you wrote uh, How to Be Happy, Damn It, I mean, really, the internet has just grown and grown and grown and taken off and social media has taken off and people sharing and resharing memes and images, right? So yeah. and positive motivational quotes, that be kind of came a thing, right? You're absolutely spot on in the fact that it does. I mean, for me, an appealing image is something that makes the, you know, the message even more powerful and more meaningful to me. And I can see a whole bunch of different ones, but the ones that have the most stick to itness in my life tend to be the ones that have a really nice, you know, have a good visual design as well. Yeah, I think change is scary. So when you invite somebody to read a book, that's about like changing habits, um, changing thought patterns, um, you lower some of like the stress level. And if it, if it's fun. And in fact, I, I gave a Ted talk on fun is a high performance fuel that studies show that people learn better when something's fun and flashcards are like, it's just a quick example, like fun flashcards, help people to remember. And in some ways I'm doing a little of that inside my books with the mm -hmm. images and the words and stuff like that. Yeah. I can see that as well. Yeah, absolutely. You've written how many books? Like like 40 plus. Oh, I actually, I mean, some of them are clunkers, so you, I don't <laughs> show those, but including the clunkers, like 50 books. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, cause I'm like, I'm up there. I'm like, I've been doing this for like 30, maybe 40 years. I don't know how many years I try not to think about it. And some of them are little, like I've done like board books for, for babies and yeah. like, short books and humor books that are shorter. So they're not like all, some of them are very full of, of, you know, they're a real book, like they're text dance. Yeah. But some of them are a little bit more fun and slim volumes. That's how I also 
got up to that number of books. <laughs> yeah. So in addition to um, how to be happy, damn it, uh, bounce back is probably yeah. the another one that would be really relevant to the yeah. conversations that I have with people. And tell me about that and that book and that journey. Well, um, that's a book filled with resiliency psychology tools. And um, I was going through a really hard time where a lot of things were happening all at once. I mean, I joke that I was like um, ready for like a reality TV camera crew to pop out behind the planter <laughs> in my living room and say, surprise, you were punked. Like, you know, right. it's like so many things all at once. It was, you know, um, I was sexually assaulted by somebody in my building. My father passed away, you know, and a bunch of other minor things too. But those two were like, and so I, um, I turned pain into purpose. It helps that I'm a writer. So I thought to myself, I want to write a book. I want somebody to pay me to write a book while I research everything I need right now. I desperately need these tools. So I got the book deal. I pitched it to an editor and I, it had a, originally had a rub, red rubber cover on the front. Like it's, mm, right. get this, it's a bounce back book and it has a rubber cover. I said to the editor and she's like, okay, let's do it. So, but now they sell it without a rubber cover. But, um, and then I just read all of this stuff that people can do to, um, you know, bounce back from adversity. And then that was, was loved by psychology today. And they made me their bounce back columnist, their resiliency psychology yeah. at their site. Yeah. Just amazing. And everybody, I will link everything in the show notes so you can find these books very easily and I'll obviously find notsalmon.com too. So you can see one of the things I really appreciate about your work there. And I've shared that with you is you really are a giver. You, you are very gracious, especially with your art talent, which I just so appreciate because all of those, uh, so many of your motivational messages that you've created art with you share for people to reshare on their own social media. So tell yeah. me about what the inspiration behind that was. Why do that? Um, well, I, first of all, I love creating those. I, I call them posters, virtual yeah. posters or whatever. So with quotes and design, and I mean, I do that to relax, quite frankly. Yeah. Right. I love starting my day, like creating one. That's like my mental yoga or creative yoga for myself, like, you know, right. um, and then I, I love sharing them. First of all, why not? I created it. So yeah. why not let it go out there? Um, and it's so interesting to see where it shows up and how far and around the world. And people tell me like, even the call map was using some of my posters inside their app, you know, <laughs> no which was interesting. somebody wrote to me. And, um, and then on top of that, Quite frankly, it's a way to have people find me. Yeah, right. Because yeah. it works. Because I did. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Hey, everyone. Just a quick break here in the show to talk with you about Sunnyside. Sunnyside has partnered with me, and I am super excited to share this company with you. I've actually had the founders on the show before, and I will link that in the show notes so you can hear a little bit from them. Sunnyside is an app that helps you cut back on your drinking or simply build healthier drinking habits. I have watched the company grow over this last year and I'm so impressed. They are deeply mission-driven and they are building a service to help millions of people create a healthier relationship with alcohol. 
and they're doing it without the pressure to quit or feel guilty. So of course, you know, it aligns with everything I talk about here at Alcohol Minimalist. Think of Sunnyside as a digital coach that helps you set the plan for the week and provides tools to track your drinks and measure your progress, all while using proven behavior change techniques to create a lasting habit change. It's super easy to start, super easy to stick to, and it includes a 15-day free trial so you can test it out. Really, it's worth checking out. Head on over to sunnyside.co slash minimalist to get started today. So I really wanted to get you on here to talk about the courses, some of the courses, because you've kind of gone along a journey, you have started writing, that was really, and now I know you've shared with me that really your emphasis now is on doing courses, because they're kind of like a, another way of writing a book, really, I mean, they're just a, you know, a more personalized kind of approach to sharing information. Some people like to just read it, but some people like to have a one on one conversation. And really, that's what the video courses are designed to do. What yeah. I, and I and I love everything that you're doing. I really appreciate the fact that the courses are super affordable folks. So that's number one. Um, a lot of people that that live in this space, they would tell you the marketing gurus would tell you, oh, you should be charging way more. You should be, you know, all of that. And so I appreciate the fact that you've made it affordable and accessible and something that just about everybody can take advantage of. And so one of the things that I really wanted to discuss with you is the anxiety cure, because that course and that information is so relevant to the people that I work with and the people that I talk to. And I myself definitely, uh, you know, had a habit, a 30 plus year habit of turning to alcohol to, because I, because I needed to take the edge off. That was my, you know, I call it an oxymoronic habit because Mm -hmm. I was an adult child of an alcoholic, but yet I somehow turned to alcohol Mm -hmm. to relieve my anxiety and stress. And only until then I learned some of the tools that you share in the anxiety cure of how to really retrain my thoughts and really reframe how I thought about things to take, to feel better. I mean, and that was the thing, instead of turning to alcohol to feel better, I used my own brain to feel better. And so talk to me about why the anxiety cure and kind of what's in that course and what makes it so what's so useful, especially in the world today, because let's face it, the world is not getting um, any less stressful these days. We just were coming out of COVID and we thought, oh, look, things are lightening up. And then Europe decided to go back to Uh, 1942. I know. Wild. Um, Well, I I am recovered. I'm going to say recovered because I am recovered, but it's like you're never recovered, you know, (laughs) but I'm a recovered anxiety sufferer. Mm-hmm. And, and I used to, I told you this privately and yeah. I'll tell it publicly, it's on my site. I'm a recovered emotional eater. Mm-hmm. So where you- very similar, like I said, buffering, yeah. or, you know, eating or over drinking, they're very similar. Yeah. A recovered being a recovered emotional eater is a lot like being a recovered alcoholic. You know, yeah. there's a lot. Or common. even, I don't, I don't technically say alcoholics or I oh. wasn't, I myself wasn't an, what I would oh, have said okay. physically dependent, but even people who are misusing alcohol on a regular basis and probably just overusing it. I mean, so it's kind of the same. Yeah. Actually a lot of addictions. It's, um, it's about 
not wanting to feel emotions, you know, there's like for, I, I joke that, you know, there's fight and flight when you don't want to feel emotions. And then there's fight, flight and bite. For me, it was like bite, like it was eating, like losing myself in the food, trying to like focus there instead of like really thinking about things and being aware of my feelings and just having a needed conversation with myself, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's another way to say it. And, um, and so it's also called a maladaptive coping mechanism, right? Which um, I kind of like that phrase. And a lot of people have maladaptive coping. Is that how do you self soothe? Mm-hmm. And a lot of life is about how good you are at self soothing. Yeah, when conflict happens, you know, so um, I started to research about uh anxiety, and also research separately about emotional eating. And a lot of the tools overlapped, Mm -hmm. you know, but then there were some that were specific to food, some that could apply to anybody that has an addictive um, habit that they're Mm -hmm. trying to break. And, um, but at the end, you have to figure out, um, I, I call doing a stop and swap. You have to take the negative habit. It's not enough to just say, I'm going to stop it. Because your busy mind wants something to focus on and chew on. So like even with my dog, if I want to train my dog um, who's maybe chewing on a slipper Mm -hmm. um, or chewing on something bad, um, it's not enough just to take away that thing. I have to give the dog something else because my dog chewing for him, her rather, is is an anxiety for the dog actually. So I have to give the dog something positive to chew on. And we have to do that with our habits. So um, with anxiety, you have to do a stop and swap. If you're thinking a thought, you have to put in, do a stop and swap of a more positive thought. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're doing a negative habit, then try to swap in a positive habit. It's not enough just to stop. You have to do a stop and a swap. So that's one of my philosophies. One of the things, and I, this is what I think is so compelling about these courses, folks, and I want you to go check it out. There's links on my resource page and you can, as I mentioned, I will, so that's mollywatts.com slash resources, but also you can go to Karen's site and I will link all that in the show notes. So if you think about these books that have really great visual design, your kind of you know, humorous sort of, there's a bit of uh, sarcasm, but not in a, you know, awful way and, um, and then science, right? So I think those kind of those three things you kind of pull together and what makes these courses so compelling and useful is the combination of all those things, right? It's like you get the, the spoonful of medicine with a beautiful visual and you get a nice, you know, you get science and then you get a little bit of, of humor with it. Was that, is that a fair assessment of the, of all the tools? Yeah. I love finding good research study and in anxiety cure, it has two different sections. One is every kind of psychology that you could look at, like positive psychology, neuro-linguistic program, cognitive um, behavioral therapy, like you name, it's all, that's in the first one. That's like the psychological module. Yeah. Um, and then the other module is more like Eastern philosophy, like different forms of meditation and uh, grounding tools that come more from the Eastern philosophy on how to reduce anxiety. 
So I have those two sections and a lot of them still are based in, in research. Like even when I talk about meditation, I talk about like statistics on why it works and how it works, you know? So, and with emotional eating, I kind of want to bring this up because this might be interesting to your people. It's a study that was really interesting to me that a lot of women in particular, I think sometimes have trouble with anger. And so um, instead of expressing it outward, they take on an addiction and that has come up. I also like, you know, coach people and, you know, so um, when I realized I would eat a lot, like after a breakup, um, it was uh, like, I particularly like, I joke my cheese doodles. Right. And I thought to myself that every time I was eating cheese doodles, I was really eating a big bag of, I hate him doodles or I hate me doodles. Like I was like eating it kind of in an aggressive way. And also there's secondary gains, which is like, if I, in this case, literally a gain, but it, that's just a coincidence. <laughs> it has the word gain in it. But um, if I, if I gained enough weight, then I could use that as an excuse not to date. And I think I was afraid of dating again. So sometimes there's secondary gains in having an addiction too. Right. But I call, um, so the study that I want to bring up was um, a study on drug addiction that applied to emotional eating and applies mm-hmm. to anything, alcohol, you name it, that um, they, but they did it with drugs that people um, at a rehab were given two different methods to heal from their drug addiction. And one group got irregular drug therapy, medicate, you know, whatever they do, that's the more traditional route. And then another group got forgiveness therapy. Mm-hmm. And what they were taught was how to let go of their anger. Because a lot of people have anger and resentment and shame, like something in their past, some some trauma or, or, or something mm-hmm. that yeah. was a crisis is, is creating that, which is driving them to the addiction. And so they wanted to get to the core root of why people were drinking rather than just throw the bandaid of like, you know, drug rehab, like whatever they do, get to the root of it. And the people that had the forgiveness therapy wound up not only um, recovering faster, they had less recidivism, like returning to Mm -hmm. bad addiction um, because of getting to the root of it. So in my emotional eating course, I I talk about how hate loss leads to weight loss. Like when you get rid of, that and you have to eat I love me foods and not I hate him foods or not I hate me foods and to even look at food that way is this an I love me food or is this an I hate him or I hate me food you know that yeah well it's really applicable too and I love you drink would be different than drinking to try to hate away somebody or forget somebody so it's very very applicable yeah Um, I, I really believe that so much of what you've been sharing and so much of your work and your books and the courses is really applicable for anyone that's listening to this show. Uh, it, it aligns very closely with what I talk about in terms of changing your thoughts to create new feelings, to take better actions. And that's really at the core of what you talk about too. And so I just appreciate you coming on the show today. I appreciate. So tell me, what is our cat's name that we're going to? Oh, that it's not just me coming on your show. Yeah, exactly. It's you. It's, and- I have a whole family here today. Yeah. The cat's name is Chop and 
The cat is a boy, but I keep thinking of the cat as a girl. I don't know why. I'm just like, maybe that's sexist. I don't know. But, um, and then the dog, which is huge, is the girl. And I keep, anyway, the dog's name is Lily. And she's a rescue dog. And she's about six months, but like, she's like 25, 30 pounds dog. And, um, but thinks, doesn't know that she's that big. And it's just like flopping all over the place. And they get along great, except for Lily's so big and the cat isn't so you know, Lily chop and Karen, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for having all of us here. (laughs) (laughs) And I will um, share a links, like I said, in all of my show notes for how to access not salmon.com, but I highly suggest you go and check it out. And um, you'll be just as smitten as I am with all those wonderful images, the books and the courses. And I just thank you, Karen Salmison for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thank you. Suddenly the cat got quiet. She's like, well, finally, she's off the podcast. Now I get like the attention I deserve. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Alcohol Minimalist Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you change your drinking habits and to create a peaceful relationship with alcohol. Use something you learned in today's episode and apply it to your life this week. Transformation is possible. You have the power to change your relationship with alcohol now. For more information, please visit me at www.mollywatts.com.